Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Welcome to the 49th episode of Disneyland for Designers. Oh, dangerously close to episode 50, but even more so, more importantly, dangerously close, six weeks away from episode 55. And in episode 55, there's going to be a whole new way to consume our community's content, which is Disneyland for Designers in Club 1313. And speaking of Club 1313, a couple of little announcements for you. It is not open yet. You cannot enroll in the club yet. Essentially, let me break down real quick. The club is going to be kind of like Patreon, but instead of just saying, hey, here's a content creator, I want to give them money to make more content, you are funding an actual club of folks like you and I that love Disneyland, that love to consume certain types of content and like to get together with live streams, eventually real connections in the park. And right now through all of the content that's being made through Disneyland for designers, we will turn club 1313 into a real boy. Just drink the cocoa, cocoa. And that little skeleton one day will become a boy. One of my favorite movies, but here's what I got for you right now. Coming up later on this evening, over on YouTube, channel Adventures in Design, we are doing our monthly Club 1313 meetup. And tonight's theme is like today's theme. It's all about Tomorrowland. And let me tell you, I have been working days on building this time machine so you and I can go back in time and see Tomorrowland, hopefully, if I can get the time machine all figured out so we can see it in its prime in the 50s and in the 60s, which coincidentally is what today's episode is all about. But today's episode, much like tonight's live stream, the 13-13, 13th of the month meetup, I'm showing you a new template of where all of this content is going. And in today's podcast, this is a new template that will be moving forward. We're sort of the main topic or theme of the episode. I will be doing those most of the time now solo. They will be sometimes 10 minutes to a half hour to 45 minutes, but essentially whatever that main topic is, the history or the design thought of how it pertains to Disneyland, those will start to be done solo by myself. In an attempt to get the podcast back to being very focused on the actual design construction and the emotional meanings of the park. Doing that solo gives me the ability to stay narrow, focused on the details, and to get through all of that data in a much more efficient manner. However, because I do love all of my Disneyland citizens, the second part of the episodes is where I will bring in Philander, or Jared, or Justin Scard, or Cheesy Pop, or whoever comes back onto the show. And in that second portion, it'll be more of a loose conversation between two people or three people when we have our friend Louis the Architect on, but it'll be a conversation between friends that are excited about whatever that source material is. And this gives me the ability to do two things inside of one episode, bring you what I feel is not necessarily a good history lesson because so many people do the history, but a good deep dive on design and the meanings and the intellect that goes into designing this place we love so much. But then second fold give you a good conversation between friends to allow you feel like you're hanging out with friends at Disneyland. It's a new year. It's a new attitude. And there's so many different ways that I want to make content. And that's why I thought I would start with Tomorrowland because we are in a tomorrow that we've all been hoping for after going through a pretty, pretty rough 
2020. So I thought this would be a great place to start. And another place where I have started to make some changes, and this is all going to really pertain into exclusive content and, and, and membership value once Club 1313 actually does go live and you can enroll in it. Last Friday was the initial test run of the 13th hour, which is a live stream that I'm doing on Disneyland Fridays at 1 p.m. where we look back on the news of the week, you know, just not every topic can be turned into a standalone video over on YouTube. Not every topic deserves a podcast about it. This is a way to get together as fans to spend the 13th hour of the week to look at everything that happened this last week and to review it as a community. And I have to say the first live stream was a huge success. A lot of times I'll see a live stream about Disneyland. I see a topic that's very enticing to me. I click that link and the hosts just can't seem to get there or stay there. But we did a fantastic job of staying within all five of our topics, having a great conversation as a community. And as 1313 becomes a real thing, there will be a way for many of you to be my co-host on some of these episodes. And not just like co-host in the chat, like co-host like in the video stream, your voice, maybe your face being heard, a true co-host for a segment. Because after all, the club is about me and you and the community that we represent that loves Disneyland in a very, very specific way. So that's a lot to be said. To summarize quickly, tonight at 7 p.m., you can see me to attempt to build a time machine to take everyone in a live stream back to Tomorrowland. And this Friday at 1 p.m. or afterwards, it'll stay up free for everybody to listen to. You can catch the 13th hour where we look back at this week's topics in Disneyland news. So much going on. So excited to be here. Even more excited to have you with me. Episode 49 of Disneyland for Designers, Tomorrowland. Look, it's Disneyland. The story of Tomorrowland is the story of Disneyland and America encapsulated as one great epic tale. What I'm not going to do is bore you with this attraction came in this year, it left that year, replaced by this, hey kids, look aluminum. What I want to do is tell you the emotional story of Tomorrowland. You see, Disneyland is themed like an American timeline. This is sort of a thought that I have that I talk about a lot that nobody explained this to me. I've never read this in any sort of historical fact about Disneyland. But if you just think about it from common sense, the way the compass rose, stares upon our precious Disneyland. If you start over to the west and work your way to the east, or if it's easier for your mind because technically we discovered America east to west, let's just go left to right, like we've all been taught to read in this country. Starting over in the very, very far western left side of the great Disneyland, we had Frontierland the great wild west, the exploration of America. Just below that, we had Adventureland, which also embodies the spirit of adventure. And even though we're going to far away places, it is the adventure, the exploration that made America happen. Then as we get to the center of the park, the north to south axis, we hit Main Street, USA, the most perfect of all original 1955 lands built in Disneyland, it is the one that has gone the longest with the least required revisions. Now, hold on to Fantasyland for just a moment. We'll get to that. But as we go over to the right, we have Tomorrowland. 
a part of the park that would be a reflection to man and his hopes for a better tomorrow. See, Tomorrowland was the optimism of Disneyland. But before I forget, a little area called Fantasyland, it sits above this axis of our past, our seemingly romanticized present, and our future. Sleeping Beauty's castle unlocks the imagination of a child. So above this line of mankind, ladykind, working our way as a civilization from our rough origin story to a settled and safer version of America to our hopes and dreams for the future, above all of that lies the imagination, the optimism of a child, which is fantasy land. And I love looking at this particular original layout of the park because they had to have discussed this. Herb and Walt had to discuss that this is the American story. This is the psyche of the brain. Disneyland, as we all know, is such an emotional place. This had to have been discussed, or at least it was just an organic way to design the park because it's an emotional voyage that we're all on. And Disneyland, after all, was supposed to reflect all of our hopes and dreams so that we could get away for the day and escape to the happiest place on earth. The interesting thing about Tomorrowland, though, is it was actually the start of adult intellectual property-themed attractions. Uh, Let me break that mouthful down. Sure, Fantasyland was the original bride's attractions themed after popular movies. After all, they took all of the old, you know, children's stories, uh, fables that had been passed around Walt took that free IP, intellectual property, that was just floating out in the ether and said, people know the story of Cinderella, but they don't know my version of Cinderella. People know the story of Pinocchio, they don't know my version of Pinocchio. And essentially, they took these things that already had a little bit of marketing involved in them, a, a public awareness. So if Walt Disney, his name, would sell tickets, would tell you the story of Snow White, something you were vaguely familiar with, There was already a word-of-mouth marketing built in that pitch. But because Tomorrowland was telling you the future, it would actually have to do intellectual-based attractions because it's just not a stagecoach. It's just not a boat going through the Nile. It's something that doesn't exist yet. They had to tell you a story through their sponsors, through their technologies, In many ways, Tomorrowland would start to establish how do we make a park, of course, for the family, but how do we take the adult mind to new places, new areas, new realms of discovery that just aren't available yet in the real world that we live in? How do we create true escapism for the adult mind? And I know over in Frontierland, like, well, you know, maybe you've never been on a steamboat before because after all, in 1955, not everybody was hopping on an airplane and just jumping back and forth across America. It was a lot like it is in 2020-21. (laughs) But if you think of attractions such as Rocket to the Moon, when that showed up at Disneyland, no one was going to the moon. Man hadn't been to the moon yet. 
Everybody knew the experience of, quote, cowboys and Indians. Everybody knew the experience of a train. No one, not one single person had the experience of going to the moon. So in many ways, Tomorrowland began the idea of intellectual property in an abstract way for adults to experience something at Disneyland that wasn't possible in any other part of their adult lives. And speaking of being an adult, think about the 50s, 60s Tomorrowland, the decor of the land, right? The decorations of that land were bright, sleek, modernism, everywhere you would look. The design of that area, to me, spoke more than the attractions because it was literally as an escapism of, I've seen everything else here before. I've seen it in books, I've seen it in films. I have not been in this part of the world yet because that part of the world didn't exist. The main courtyard area is the part that I would absolutely love to go to the most. It has a Palm Springs Atomic Age style courtyard, which largely is canopies, places to sit, a real area where you can just kind of sit in the future, look all around you and truly feel like I'm not in Anaheim anymore. At one point in the 60s, the new Tomorrowland, birth of Tomorrowland, it was, at that moment, the best designed land in all of Disneyland. And I'll explain why. First and foremost, it had the kinetic energy that is Disneyland. You could sit in that courtyard that I'm obsessed with. You could be waiting outside to ride an attraction. You could just be passing through. And at any moment, you would have the kinetic energy of Tomorrowland, which was fountains, flags, and the layering, very important, the layering of attractions overlapping one another like a real city. Think of your visits to New York City and how there's just so much going on with subways, an airplane going by, a boat over in the harbor, knowing that there are cars lined up all around you, people on bikes, people on skateboards, people on one wheels, laughing at people on one wheels. Like just think about how much is going on when you're in New York City and they were doing this in Tomorrowland. It had its own transportation system. The people mover was on a canopy above you moving around, but sometimes that would intersect with the monorail going around the lagoon. And then if you looked way high up, you had sky buckets going over you. It literally did have the feeling of a small, hustling, bustling city in the future. But also from the design perspective of all the different attractions, it had a very unique city vibe to itself. A lot of the attractions look like space age federal buildings, not commercial buildings, not residential buildings, but that infrastructure that you imagine when you go into the core of a municipality. Like it had a vibe of being inside of its own little town or city or district of the future. Put all that together with one amazing layout with the people mover going down the main artery the way that the first two attractions were flanked out to the side, the courtyard in the center, Mission to Mars over on your far right. like Just the entire layout gave enough room to hang out and look around and marvel at this small city that you're now a citizen of. Friend, we all know that the future is a moving target. But if 60s Tomorrowland was still the same right now, in 2021, it would still look futuristic. 
With updated attractions over the years, we would obviously have to put new attractions in all those different buildings. But what I'm saying is, if you kept that same layout, if you would moderately update those color schemes, but the original new Tomorrowland bones would still look futuristic today. Now, let's say if we kept that same layout, we would have to, of course, update all the attractions. But if Tomorrowland would have stayed on the beat of tomorrow and also a way for Disney to diversify their earnings, let's say that they had a Apple sponsored exhibit where Apple would put money and show you what they were testing, what they were working on, or just simply sort of pie in the sky ideas of Tony Stark type hologram information systems. What if Google were to take over one of the plazas and show you how they use their information technology to change the world? I know that they have worked on Google Glass and lots of augmented reality type uh, technologies. Imagine going into something like that that says, what if your life looked this way when you wore this glass? Adobe, another creative company that's always on the edge of technology, that going back to the Google Glass definition I just gave you, last November I or two Novembers ago, I saw them show what augmented reality technology could look like if you were living through the world using Adobe software. For many of us, it was a little bit too Black Mirror, but that would be a great thing to walk into. And then one of the most modern companies that's always pushing the limits, Tesla slash SpaceX. Electric vehicles are a reality. Everybody's getting them. It's the way that it's going. The state of California is looking for zero emissions by 2035, I believe. These are the type of companies that if they had a display somewhere in Tomorrowland, it would still feel futuristic. Also, if they were to work out a deal with the Consumer Electronics Show that happens up in Las Vegas, maybe there would be a deal partner, which whatever the biggest, most modern technology is, it gets a stent to display at Disneyland and people would come and marvel at whatever that technology was. Also, if they could have used the space properly, Maybe there would be an area in there where they would encourage corporations to do their next big keynote, to drop off the next big thing. Hey, and just one more thing. That one more thing could be released on a prestigious stage inside of Disneyland where it's a big thing, like going there after the Super Bowl. That is something that we look at as, hey, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going? You're going to Disneyland. Doing significant product releases or drops or, or keynotes at Disneyland would be a great venue for this with its proximity to Los Angeles, so much media out here on the West Coast. It could just be a prestigious thing where we're dropping our new product or we're making a new announcement or we're doing a demo at the Disneyland Technology Theater inside of Tomorrowland. Like it actually would have survived the test of time because the future that these bones, like the real bones of Tomorrowland, that future never materialized. Therefore, 60 odd years later, if you look at old photos of Tomorrowland, it still looks futuristic. And I'm not talking about big, heavy cosmetic changes. I'm just talking about little things like going over to LED lights, maybe changing some of the light structures, you know, just little cosmetic things that make it feel more and more futuristic. But the bones, the layout, that was all absolutely perfect because it was a fictionalized version of the future that mankind never got to. But can it be saved? Because a great design or composition is always dependent upon the self-confidence in said design. 
and in Tomorrowland of the 80s, 90s, zeros, 10s, and 20s, this trend of losing its self-confidence has only gotten worse each decade. The Tomorrowland that exists now is very, very problematic because there is no longer a central theme. The architecture doesn't match all of its different pieces. There is no theme on the coloring. There's a little bit of blue and silver in there, but it also goes in so many other different directions. There's no hardcore texture. Some of the walls are like a stucco that have like a little bit of like a grit to them. But then you look over at the backside of Star Tours and it's all textures that you and I could go buy at Home Depot. And then the decorations are this sort of 90s neon bizarre version of futuristic stuff, but it looks more like bad t-shirts that you would see in the little boy section at Target. The Urban Plaza vibe is gone. No one is hanging out in the middle of Tomorrowland anymore. People are literally ripping back to Space Mountain, doing a little bit of shopping and getting out. You see, no two items anymore match one another. It's just all these different little individual thoughts that aren't having a conversation. And don't even get me started on how much stuff is inside of Tomorrowland that's not working. That is very, very problematic when a large portion of a land is just Hey, remember that thing that hasn't been operational and now in over few decades, which is so frustrating going back to my last thought that it was the future at one moment, but they were able to get off of that path. They lost confidence in their design and their composition, and they tried to fix a couple of little things and all they did was break it for the long haul, which brings us to the current time. And I want you to really think about this. Is there a need? Is there a necessity for a land themed around the future? I believe the theme of Tomorrowland, not just what we have, I believe the actual theme is now wrong because there is no future. I mean, yes, there is a future. God willing, we will all wake up tomorrow and live another day and make it into another decade. As a society, we're not sitting around as they were in the 50s, dreaming of this big future. Like, What will it be like when these things start to materialize and happen? We are right now sitting on the edge of technology. Each of us have a device called a mobile phone in our front pockets that has more power and more technology than men went to the moon with. Think about that. Men went to the moon using less technology, less power than the thing that you look at Instagram on while you're sitting on the toilet. We are not all sitting around dreaming of new ways of living. We are purchasing the newest tech and adapting. Many of us have moved over to electric vehicles. Many of us are working on our beta version of a smart home. Every time my wife and I buy a new appliance or gadget for the home, We try to figure out, is there a way to do it where it goes into the smart home direction? I was thrilled for the holidays to get two smoke alarms, smoke detectors. But I loved it because they now communicate with my phone. They will give me a notification when their power levels are low. And the best thing is at night when you turn off the light, you get a green ring. Hey, just did a quick scan. Batteries are good. There's no smoke. 
There's no carbon monoxide. Sleep tight, my friend. And if you have to get up in the middle of the night, it sees you walking by and illuminates a subtle white light so you can make your way to the bathroom. And now my cats are just wandering through the house all night long being like, yo, I love this new light. See, I'm not sitting around going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen when cars are floating. We're all just moving over to the next adaption of the tech that we have. Because right now, if you look at companies like Google, Apple, Tesla, many of them are kind of stuck on, ah, where do we go next? Like if you're like me and you're in the always get a new iPhone plan, sorry, there's so much flexing going on right now, but I love technology. I live a life surrounded by technology. Every time I get the new phone, I go, so what's new in this one? Because so many of the problems of being a young man around the new millennium of going, why am I putting a phone in this pocket? Why am I putting a camera in this pocket? Why am I holding a iPod in this pocket? And why do I have a, oh, what was it called? The thing uh, that you would write on that you keep your schedule in. Oh, I can't even think of it. What was that thing called? (laughs) I'm back from a Google search. Palm Pilot, right? Like I literally at one moment had all of these different devices that I'm cramming into my phone. No, 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 cramming into my pockets. Now they're all inside of my phone. I have seen that technology hit in the last 20 years and I'm sitting and I'm waiting for more. So when you think about folks back in the fifties and sixties, they could see that this new thing called TV or that radio had room to grow. But we now live in a moment where we are actually on the edge of technology. I don't think that many of us are sitting around wondering about the next wave. We're just buying the nearest wave. So therefore, I think that it's time to let the idea of Tomorrowland as a land go. I believe it is time to literally take that footprint down to the dirt. Because if we look at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and we see what Disney Imagineering is able to do, whether you like Star Wars or not, you cannot deny that just that size of that land the way that it goes from space to space, it is just Disneyland escapism at its finest. I've never been to the Pandora Land and Disney's Animal Kingdom, but from what I can see virtually online and from what I watch on YouTube, it seems to be the same, maybe even better. Don't know, haven't been there, but a lot of people swear by it. And the idea that it is time to let Tomorrowland go, it's not a bad notion. It means that we have arrived. As a society, we have arrived to the edge of tomorrow. And we're living in a moment where nobody really wants to try to predict what the next 10 years will bring because the next two years will bring so much new technology that we're thrilled with that we're literally just ready for the next season of technology and we don't need somebody to rewrite the whole multiverse of technology that we're living in. In my estimation, Matterhorn is part of Fantasyland, and we all know that. So everything east of Main Street and the Matterhorn that's not called the monorail, I'll see you in hell. I believe all of that should just be cleared out and taken down to dirt, refreshing that land for the new needs of a new generation and another hundred years of Disneyland. And the reason why I say another hundred years of Disneyland because we find ourselves in a very complicated today land where we now have to wait 
for the world to return to what feels like normal. And when that happens, we will then see the money return to what feels like normal. And with the money and the people back in the park, it will be time for this area to transform. But we also need an IP, an intellectual property, or a theme, or a story that needs to be told. Because right now, if I'm being honest, there's not anything big enough from the Disney Plus archives that I believe justifies transforming this 750,000 square feet. That's 17 acres of raw Disneyland to build and transform into any area, any land, any story that is limited only to society's imagination. Just to give you a comparison, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was 14 acres. This is three acres larger. But right now, there just isn't anything yet that needs this space. But by the 100-year anniversary, when tomorrow finally comes, tomorrow can have this land. joining me on this fictional lap around Tomorrowland and just right out of the gate I thought that you know in the beginning of the show today I sort of gave everybody the book report version of Tomorrowland how mm-hmm. it started out and you know it's I think it often gets lost that it really was an impressive land and and as far as looking at old home movie footage that mm-hmm. you see of people cruising through the park Frontierland used to really be something. Yeah. It's funny because... <laughs> it was a big deal. Adventureland was just every old footage you'll ever see. It will just be people going to the Jungle Cruise. Yep. Like, that was it. A little bit of bizarre footage, but mostly the Jungle Cruise. And Frontierland was huge. But also, America was way into, quote, cowboys and Indians back then. That was the thing back then. So it all makes sense from that direction. But when you look at Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland out of the gate, I believe was a vision of where the park would go. Yes. Because a lot of the design principles of Tomorrowland is kind of how everything grew. And the fact that it's always been in that that tight corner. Mm-hmm. You know, they started over where this is all easy. We'll work our way over to the difficult yep. part. That's why it was a little shoddy on opening day. <laughs> but it's always been sort of the essence of problem solving. And from a design perspective, I'm just fascinated with it because... They're always trying to do the impossible. Yes. And they're doing it in the most impossible part of the park because you're right nestled in that corner. Had they did it the other way around and Tomorrowland was over on the the far western side of the Mm -hmm. park, there's no telling how it would have scaled and grown and where it would have gone. But I think everything worked out 
the way that it was supposed to. <laughs> and just because it's so impossible, and now that everything's IP-based, it mm-hmm. really makes this land uh, very problematic. But I thought it was important to start a new year with a new perspective of, like, this was once amazing. Yeah, that was the... Tomorrowland was the it place to be. Uh, it's it's kind of like weaker opening, but then when 1967 hit, that was, that was the spot. <laughs> it was in its prime. Yeah, that was... That arguably, and I, I have to find someone that would argue with me on it, but that is the best version of Tomorrow that has existed. Yeah, because that was 12 years into it. Mm-hmm. They had it figured out. They really had the, the showmanship and how to make these sort of magic trick rides work, right? Yep. Because if you think about Tomorrowland and why it really was sort of the future of the park, they didn't have that big footprint of land, going back to that again. Yeah. So a big Thunder Mountain or a Splash Mountain or a Jungle Cruise, like that type of scale, you're not going to get that. No. So they had to be super creative on, well, we could do a submarine attraction. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. we can scale a monorail over the top of that. We can put that next to a mountain. We can do the sky buckets. Like the layering is is fantastic. So good. So good. And that was a big complaint for a lot of people for Galaxy's Edge that it missed that layering, mm-hmm. the kinetic energy of Disneyland and Tomorrowland for a long time really, really nailed it. And then also, you know, I'm just biased because I think that 60s design, like the color palettes, yeah. the modernism, like it is just such an unbelievable look. And if we were in a non IP driven theme park, yeah. I would love for them to just make it. A, a set piece like this will always be atomic age america mm-hmm. keep it locked in this moment but the problem is is we don't have a companion film for that yeah and i am a firm believer that and this is not a popular opinion but disneyland must move forward yes and you can't have 80 percent of it ip based and then 20 percent you just make up something wild yeah like the the idea of star wars galaxy's edge where like there's enough familiar but enough new. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, this isn't the real New Orleans Square, but you will make memories here yes. that will make this different than actually going to Bourbon Street down in Louisiana. So I love the idea of enough familiarity so you know the theme that you're walking into, but enough new so it feels like an adventure. Yeah, them making that big adjustment when it changed from 67 over to the 98 version, You, almost, you looking back at those old images, it's almost sad that at a time they thought it was dated, but... Like you said, just keeping the look of it would have been so fantastic and just making adjustments to the attractions within it and the entertainment within it, characters. But the look is like that perfect timelessness where it will always be future, future-esque because our own reality doesn't actively look like that. No, because we were projecting something that never came. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny to think these opening day attractions were like, by 1986, <laughs> you will take a jetliner to the moon. <laughs> and it just never happened. So mm-hmm. the fact that that futurism is like stuck and in, in paused in this moment in time, mm-hmm. that's why people love Palm Springs. Yes. Because it has that optimism through architecture, through city planning that just, it was a great idea. But America's like, yeah, you know what's sick? Strip malls. <laughs> you know what's better than a bunch of individual little shops and a cute little two blocks downtown? <laughs> a Walmart. Just, just just a bunch of Walmarts. So if I could offer you a ride in my time machine as oh, I'm please. taking Club 1313 to Tomorrowland of the 50s and the 60s for the, the live stream this month. If I could put you in a time machine right now, 
What is an attraction that you would love to get to go Avengers see? Base. That's it for Every you? Every time. That's Every it? time, yes. Explain to me why that's your number one. That is my number one um, because of the, I think it's the magic, the main magic trick, the disbelief. Because when you look at the attractions from that land, um, that I think was the one that you hear most about from people. I, also, I'm a, just to get out of the gate, I'm a sucker for an Omnimover. So that's a that's a big one just to start out, but the the whole magic trick of them entering the queue and seeing the mighty microscope and yeah. like people there were kids that were legitimately scared to get on because they assumed in that moment that they were going to get shrunk down. Um, but the whole layout of that, the the way it was designed, the 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 magnificent you know, God, I've, I've watched so many videos of people who've recreated it online. But uh, Omni Over Dark Ride, I. I'm always there. I feel like that is something that Tomorrowland right now is really missing. I mean, yes. it's it's missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a video that I would really recommend people to just go check out. Uh, right before the last D23 in 2019, mm-hmm. I was really hoping that they were going to say something about Tomorrowland. Yes. And there was a buildup of anticipation that that might be something that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we all know that it didn't happen. So I went in. And I did a perimeter video where literally I started at the French Fry Rocks, which, mm-hmm. by the way, those are already gone. <laughs> those are gone. <laughs> but I started at the French Fry Rocks and I went to the right. And so I went on the patio by Plaza Inn and the little restroom there. So I'm the guy filling a restroom as ladies are coming out. You know, nothing weird about that. <laughs> nothing weird about nothing that. Nothing weird about that. So then I walk past Star Tours and I go around the, the Star Trader and I go down, you know, those weird little hallways where everybody's coming out of what looks like an 80s mall from uh, yeah, Space Mountain. Exactly. <laughs> and then I walked into the Space Mountain area. And so essentially, like, I'm just, I'm following the edge. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a perimeter tour is if you keep following the edge, eventually you'll always end up where you started. That's right. So I ended up right where I started. So I filmed and documented the whole outer edge. And the thing that really blew me away from a designer is just for Disneyland, a place that is just, they've got such an eye for design and perfection. Mm-hmm. It's really a mix grab bag of so many different oh, yeah. things. And mm-hmm. the one part that was very obvious to me that I'm like, this has really got to go was the Star Tours building. Yeah. Because it is the same weird cut shapes mm-hmm. that we know for the doorways and the windows and the vignettes of Galaxy's Edge. But with materials that I could buy at Home Depot. <laughs> and now that, you know, Scott Tolbridge figured out how to craft it and carve it and airbrush it mm. and put a tooth into it and a decay and a blaster mark, it just makes it look like a bouncy house in your front yard yeah. versus Disneyland. So when you walk through the land, it's just very problematic, even though, you know, the the, the number one thing is stuff that's sitting around that doesn't work. Yeah. People mover going down the main artery, even though that looks phenomenal, mm-hmm. doesn't work. And then the junk. Oh, the Observatron. The satellites. <laughs> That's using the skeleton of the, the rocket jets. I mean, I don't like spinning rides, mm-hmm. but I think about being a young kid, getting on that faux astronaut's uh, elevator mm-hmm. like they have yes. in Florida. And going up to the and top. And riding that astronaut elevator up to that upper deck mm-hmm. and going and getting into your own little space capsule and now you're like literally at the very top yeah, of like 50 feet in the air yeah i mean that's pretty gnarly mm-hmm. pretty gnarly i mean i know astro orbiter you get a nice height on it and they go pretty fast and you have a little bit of control 
But man, being in that back mm-hmm. corner, high up in the air like that, phenomenal. It should be. So for you, it's adventures through inner space. Mm-hmm. And if you were to look at Tomorrowland mm-hmm. right now, and they were saying, hey, what stays, what goes, what's your plan? Uh, I'm probably only keeping Space Mountain. You're keeping Space Mountain? Yep. Space Mountain stays forever? Yes. I keep Space Mountain forever. It'd be a hard thing to get rid of. Yeah. Because people really, really love it. That is, that's one of those, like, if you could, I've asked you, like, if you could get rid of, like, if you had to keep five things in Disneyland and the rest of it, I think that's always, that's always on the list. I'm keeping the partner statue. (laughs) Keeping the benches. Keeping the, uh, what's the omnibus? (laughs) Keeping the omnibus. Like all the mainstream vehicles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm keeping uh, Gadgets Go Coaster. (laughs) And uh, I need one more thing. To keep, you know what? Sailing Ship Columbia. All right. See you in hell, Mark Twain. <laughs> this goes down. I can't, believe I, just said, I can't believe I just said that. That broke my heart saying that. So for you, when you look at this land, you think that Space Mountain is forever. Yeah. See, that, that creates a very difficult design problem, though. Because mm-hmm. Space Mountain is definitely futuristic. Yes. And, you know, it's weird. Like, I was walking through downtown Disney today, and there's a moment when you see the spires of Space Mountain mm-hmm. over the top of the Main Street train station. Yep. So, it's really behind Main Street. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it's off and to the right, but it's really like you're going yeah, behind it's you. it's a short distance when you walk back that way. So, if that's something that you're keeping, how would you work the rest of that, that land? And, and my question for you is mm-hmm. this. If, if we're going to cut up Tomorrowland, do you keep Utopia as part of Tomorrowland, or do you like if you unlock the space of Utopia? Mm-hmm. How do you cut that space up? For me, I would give that space to Fantasyland personally because yeah. Fantasyland yeah. already is very tight and small, and it could use another big draw because it hasn't had one in a very long time. Besides them just redoing and plussing all those attractions, uh, especially if the company is moving as it certainly looks like it in a very IP-based future. Right. Fantasyland has the most opportunity to grow itself with so much IP that could that is like rich that could go into that space. Um, I think Tomorrowland works great just as that straight corridor going all the way down, ending over by the uh, Star Wars launch bay, your favorite. Oh, <laughs> How did I not put that on my list of five things to I got to stay? I was waiting for it. I mean, Launch Bay. Let me, let me tell you about Launch Bay, Flynn. Uh There's a bogus cantina. Mm-hmm. There are various models of ships. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, life-size action figure version of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just things in there that people love. Yeah. I mean, the amount of time I've spent in there making custom phone cases, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And looking at the Galaxy's Edge model as opposed to going why to the land I, itself. Why go over there? It's so crowded and congested. <laughs> when I can just look at a block of it. You can look at a quarter of it. <laughs> hey, for real, how blown away were you two D23s ago? Oh, when they showed it? Oh. When that model, when you actually, when we walked through like a, a, a faux entryway mm-hmm. and you went into that dark room and you just saw the entire thing with the little shadow people. Yeah. Well, you were just blown away. Oh, blown away. I'm like, it, it, it's almost, I'm, first off, I'm just, I'm 
so happy that they even allow you to see that because that could have it's definitely not nearly as impressive if they show us a video of that but getting a chance to see it at D23 and it was 100% accurate Mm -hmm. not a thing on that model didn't get built and you know there's these weird things that draw me to new lands I know that I'm going to love the main stuff, but as a mm-hmm. real theme park enthusiast and, and a Disneyland fan of the SimCity aspect of it, mm-hmm. when I saw that model, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to go through that resistance like park area. Like mm-hmm. I was so drawn to just like the total amount of free space, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize was in front of Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> we didn't know back then. We didn't know. I was like, oh, what's this weird like circular like drainage pipe thing? <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that's where your adventure ends. <laughs> but when you look at t- Tomorrowland, your idea is basically kind of keep that main artery mm-hmm. and then put something up there that blocks our vision so you're just going to kind of hook it right. So it would almost mm-hmm. be like a horseshoe shape. Yeah. Like okay. almost kind of like uh, from where Astro Orbit is now going down and making a, a tiny little left there yeah. and having it in right there. It's almost like an L, you could say, yeah. having it cut off at that point. And having some large, um, maybe I would hope like maybe a tree line for whatever goes into the space where that was to kind of offer that separation. Because that area has always been, had a lot of vegetation because the actual Tomorrowland doesn't have a lot. But when you start curving over, they have the palm trees over there. You get a lot of the, uh, the, the rocks and water of that area. So I think that would still feel okay, but I, def- I do not want Tomorrowland to have that land yeah yeah i want that to go to fantasy land if you were to give the submarine area mm-hmm. utopia and um launch bay if you're to give those three <laughs> items up that's a significant footprint mm-hmm. and all three pieces of those land could be used for something so much more than what they are yes i would hate to lose the lagoon but mm-hmm. i wouldn't mind seeing the subs go away yeah. But to me, you've got the permits. You've got the right to put that water in there. I know they making water things in California certain years. It's like, oh, I can't believe you have that water in there <laughs> because of the drought. But now there's so many more problems. Like, who cares about a drought? We're just trying to live. We're just um, trying to live here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I, I think that the lagoon, it just would be so weird if that got gutted out. It's yeah. such a nice visual break. I would even... Um, it'd be nice if you kept found an IP that was Fantasyland based that could still use that water, yeah. i.e. a um, Tangled, because they're actually getting a uh, what is it? Who's that? Uh, Fantasy Springs of Tokyo is getting a Tangled boat ride, yeah, um, and, or using Moana for an attraction, like something. I would love to have that water. Like if I, I would push Imagineering to almost try to keep it, in, even if they kept just that front half of it and the rest half, like. Turn that over so you've got like kind of like a transition oh, yeah. from Tomorrowland with the water. I mean, my my vision for that water has always been that something will get built on the back side of it. Mm-hmm. So that's just whether it's a moat or a body of water that makes a castle feel further away. Yes. But the water's got to stay. I don't necessarily know that we need to go into the water anymore. Yeah. But the body of water itself, it just needs to stay because it's such a nice visual break. So mm-hmm. let me get this right. You would essentially... Just your idea would be to take Tomorrowland and just essentially cut it in half, mm-hmm. give half to Fantasyland, mm-hmm. and keep half of it Tomorrowland. Yeah. So Astro Orbiters. Um, I'm going to keep Astro Orbiter. Um, Hot take. Yeah, because they took it down last year. Mm-hmm. Well, two years ago now, <laughs> and I didn't miss it when You're it was like, down. 
only because well you know what i guess let me let me switch that up the the resort does have a ton of spinning attractions so that's the reason i would leave it um i would want to make sure that what we put in that tomorrowland had there had to be a very strong family oriented element to balance that out because there's plenty of spinny rides in disneyland yeah. there's a lot because they're easy um they have no high requirement right you know i think there's like five of them and in the resort in total um oh yeah yeah this, there's there's more than enough um so yeah depending on when on the land i would be more so letting it go just because we also have dumbo and inside out emotional whirlwind right and right the zephyr like there's a plenty to spin on so i would oh na- the zephyr <laughs> another thing you'd keep it's my favorite disney movie <laughs> the zephyr the zephyr George Clooney in the Zephyr. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna write that movie now for you. <laughs> He's never gonna make it. He's never gonna make it. No plane can make it that far. No, but a big metal balloon could. Do it. The Zephyr. So here's a question for you. Go ahead. Um, we'll be taking no more questions. Thank you very much. <laughs> do you? Can, can you design it? Do you think a Tomorrowland can still be designed that does not utilize IP anymore? Can we can we, can we we still get that out? See, this is a problem that Tomorrowland has. Mm-hmm. Is that Disney doesn't really own any strong Tomorrowland properties. Yep. Because Avengers is its own thing, mm-hmm. and it has Avengers Campus. And Star Wars is its own thing, and it has Galaxy's Edge. So as far as, like hit movies and people are always going to throw that uh what was that treasure movie uh, <laughs> you know what i'm talking oh, about yes. treasure planet oh yeah <laughs> get out of here people you know uh what about what's the other one the uh rocketeer oh mm-hmm. get out of yeah, here yeah not enough not enough to make a hundred million dollar attraction out of no so for me i've always i've always literally thought that you should take Main Street and expand it more. Hmm. Almost uh, an Edison Square type, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. type vibe over there. And then somewhere, you know, you just you make a turn and you go down some space looking items, some shops and stuff, very futuristic, very mid century modern type mm-hmm. thing. I mean maybe even the vibe is is that it's like, you know, Palm Springs, California and it's futurism. Yeah. Like maybe that's the vibe so you're not worried about these IPs and just go straight to Space Mountain and bring people straight back. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that, take that land and annex it as part of fantasy land. Okay. Because I do feel like People love Main Street so much. It is the most perfect 55 land. Oh, it's yeah. been altered the least. Yep. Um, so to give more of that, and I love the idea of having a dark ride that tells the Disneyland story. Yes, I remember you saying that. I just think that there would be such great orientation for people that are like, why am I here today? For the diehards, it'd be a real emotional punch. Like mm-hmm. Disneyland itself is now a quality IP. Yeah, it's and, it's it's lived long enough and is that ingrained in pop culture that it exists on its own. And if we're going to finally give Mickey an attraction, mm-hmm. then it only seems fair that we'd finally stick out our necks and give Walt and Disneyland itself its own attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that with like modeling and, you know, just a full on emotional ride, you know, make it modern and have all the cool, you know, visual effects that we're used to, mm-hmm. but make it appear as if it is a 1955 dark ride with mm-hmm. like lots of modeling. But, you know, how. 
Rise of the Resistance uses lots of different technologies. Yeah. Same thing with this. You know, it could be trackless or, you know, a futuristic type of uh, Omnimover. Uh, you know, definitely use all the little LED gimmicks and stuff. But, you know, you're literally riding through Walt's train village. And it would be mm. awesome if you're actually riding on the Carrollwood Pacific. Oh. Like, if that was the vehicle <laughs> that took you through... That would, look at you. Yep. Hey, yeah, oh, he's, he's got me smiling now. Is that magic leaking out of your <laughs> eye? So you've been to the park more than anybody. You've rode all these attractions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, a thousand times more than anybody mm-hmm. would care to. <laughs> what are your hot takes for the future of Tomorrowland? Because as I said in the first half of today's show, mm-hmm. it started out perfect. It got even better, but that time has passed. Yeah. And it is the most problematic part of the park. And I just, I know people love Space Mountain, but I also know Imagineering could make something that is better. So I'm, I don't, I'm not fully sold on it needs to stay forever Mm -hmm. because something could go there and no, it's not the Tron speed cycle. (laughs) That'll, I just. Let let that go, people. I don't ever see that hitting our (laughs) our shores. I don't want third hand me downs. (laughs) If two parks get before us, I no longer want it. <laughs> that's that's the, that's my one of my hot takes. I don't need a third hand me down. Second, I'll take third. No, no. Yeah, at that moment, <laughs> the game of telephone, and you know, it's a too quick of a ride for Disneyland mm-hmm. for the amount of time that it would take to to actually get on it, and it just doesn't fit. Yeah, that canopy is way too big, way too ambitious for our park. And that show building, I don't know if you've seen photos of the way the oh. show building looks because Shanghai they hide it perfectly. But if you look at it, they at, ain't hiding it in Florida. <laughs> in Florida, no. When you walk by, was it the Goofy's Barnstormer? Oh, oh it's just this giant gray building. It's like, like your oh. bomb storming around Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can't see it from that side, but they couldn't hide it completely. Shanghai does a great job. I think with me for the future, um, I like to look at all the other Tomorrowlands, and that kind of gives me an idea because I spent a lot of time looking at Shanghai's Disneyland because now you're looking at a Tomorrowland that was designed. Um, with Imagineers of today with a much larger budget. And, of course, it's very IP-filled. But the thing I liked what about it was... What else is there besides um, Tron? They have Tron. They have a very advanced version of Buzz, mm. uh, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. They have a unique Astro Orbiter, like a, a different version that spins around like that. They have a, um, a Stitch Encounter, and that's very similar to Turtle Talk with Crush. Um, not Alien Encounter. No, not that. <laughs> it's like they, they let that die. <laughs> Oh, I still love talking about people that have actually done that. I did it in Florida. <laughs> when I went to Florida, so um, wild. as a young guy in his 20s, we just randomly went there one mm-hmm. day. Um, and that we're like, hey, there's not a line. Let's do this. And I was, I was like, I thought this was like small world and like, <laughs> you know, ghosts that are like reflecting on a piece of glass. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was going to have. <sighs> oh, breathing. I feel an alien I breathing know. on the back of my neck. You believe that, that that is the that's the closest Attraction to the castle. (laughs) (laughs) You'd assume that would be like in Hollywood Studios, but no, right next to Cinderella Castle. Hey, isn't that the greatest part about being a student of Disneyland is that they have tried so much wacky stuff over Mm -hmm. the years. Yep. Just things now that you're just like, that was really something that they did. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's a choice. (laughs) Like, have you ever seen that parade float that's just a giant sandwich? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was the thing. That's like people when they talk about the birthday cake at Walt Disney World Castle. I saw that. Mm -hmm. And you're like. That was randomly the year that I went. (laughs) The first time I go as an adult, I'm like, I thought the castle looked like medieval. Mm -hmm. Nope, a big big pink castle. Big birthday cake. The the Pepto-Bismol castle, as people said. I brought a friend to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. 
and he is that classic unlucky Disney fan where the only time he's ever been, oh, no. the castle was behind oh. the people I The people I literally feel for every time. And I, I explain to them, and I do my best to say, look, this thing only gets painted like once every 10 years. Yep. You don't also don't want to look like garbage yep. because then you're like, you're desecrating Walt's neck. You know, like we know that's why we're painting it, but that means for three months out of the year, someone is going to get the... Now, do you... Now, do you when did you first go to Disneyland? Uh, I hate to admit that on the show, but 2011. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I want you, when you get a chance, to look up, because at least now they cover it with like very beautiful scrims. You get the giant and large like, um, Herb Ryman artwork. Yeah, yeah. Because I tried to sell it to people. They're like, hey, when are you ever going to see Herb Ryman's yeah, artwork came this when they big? Were, my friend came when they were getting it ready for the Diamond Celebration. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they had Herb Ryman on. The, then when they did that, I mean, it's been behind scrims. Two major mm-hmm. times because at, you know they damaged the the roof structures yes. with, with the diamond celebration, and so 2019 it was covered up, and that's when it came out with the like very very bold color mm-hmm. scheme, the Instagram uh, <laughs> Instagram <laughs> colors, yeah, which was a really uh, sort of a bold move on their part, not only because of the color choice, but that goes against the idea of the force perspective and mm-hmm. you know the human eye. The further something goes yeah. back, it should pops be blue. way more. It should be blue. And making the colors that drastic, mm-hmm. that can really affect with your uh, your scale. But what they did was smart is they painted everything gradient. Yes. the I want you to look up how it looked covered for the 50th. They literally just put like a green tarp over it, like a, <laughs> almost like a green trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> like what they put around the fences? <laughs> yes. I remember telling someone like, when are you ever going to see Herb Ryman's artwork, you know, this big? And they're like, who's Herb Ryman? Like, I don't care. <laughs> Herbie's got bananas. I needed to see that castle. <laughs> All right, so I've gotten you very, very far off. You're, you're, as you've cruised through Tomorrowland, yes. give me your hot takes. Like, What would you do if you could do whatever you want? With um, so for me, I think we're. N- I don't think we're going to get way of the, get out of the IP. Like, that is a thing that's going to come, mm-hmm. and I don't think we get a choice because right now, with the within the company, I understand the need of wanting to put IP because IP is something that you know Bob Iger's very specific strategy of having one thing, you know, pay dividend to so many other things. We make this movie, then we make this ride, then we make these toys, then we make this TV show for this. It just has to keep going. And if you look at how excited people are about Star Wars on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. it really shows that this strategy works. Yeah, until. They can find a way to retro tell stories, you know, like my idea of making shorts around the Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. or whatever. Until they can start doing that, it has to keep going in this direction because if you take a young child there, what shows this from? Yeah. What movies this from? Mm-hmm. And it's it just, it's gone so far down that way that it has to keep going in that direction. Yeah. They now see over the past, I think, 10 years, it, it really started this whole thing of like, Living in these immersive worlds based off a of property started with Harry Potter and Cars Land, and it's and it's steamrolled ever since. Because now there's Avatar, there's Galaxy's Edge, there's the Super Nintendo World coming up. Like it's yeah. it's not stopping, and people are showing with their money, with the attendance, with the reviews. Like these, this is the thing that they see they need to keep doing because people are showing in a big way. You know, Avengers Campus, I forgot. Like all of these things based off of stuff. So I don't think they will ever make a tomorrow and that is not IP based so at this point now it's finding what can we put in there that is that skews enough into science fiction um, but also is an IP that is at least remotely popular from like the last it's got to be within the last 10 years like you can't go back like you said to Rocketeer and 
Treasure Planet. <laughs> like, you can't, like, it's not going to happen there. So I love the way that Shanghai Disneyland's Tomorrowland looks because everything looks like it belongs together despite the IPs being vastly different. Right. That's like a big win that they think they got out of that. But um, see, that's the bonus of the Wrecking Ball. Yes. They started from zero, mm-hmm. and Galaxy's Edge shows what happens when you go down to Earth and build back up. Yep. That is my theory of why Space Mountain go. should go because it creates so many more problems keeping it. than just keeping one thing that people really like mm-hmm. that is kind of an aging ride. Like I know there's sort of a nostalgia to it and yeah. it's kind of you know, it's like one of those things like Matterhorn. Like if people are just casually making a joke about Disneyland on a sitcom on CBS, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, are you going to go to Space Mountain? And people know what you're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's that big of a thing, but it is so problematic trying to create a themed path to and from it. Yeah, because now you're almost basing... Because I remember what they were at least doing with Magic Kingdom when Tron was being added. They were now altering the land to fit Tron now because Tron is such a centerpiece. And if we keep Space Mountain there, we almost have to build the new space to make it match Space Mountain. Yeah. And that's a thing that will be problematic if we keep it. And it's more so me keeping it my love. And that's like the thing I always have to like, I'll never get so frustrated with it because if if it was presented to me with the WDI and they showed me a a Space Mountain-less um, model of Tomorrowland with all this new stuff, I think seeing it in person would be the thing like, you guys got me. All right, do it. As yeah. opposed to now thinking like, oh, Space Mountain is so iconic. But if they were to prove to me like, this is what it could look without it, I'm like, all right, let's do it. I said, I will never go to a park without the Petting Zoo and Big Thunder Ranch. <laughs> then I saw that model and I said, you got right, me. You got me. You got me. <laughs> let's let's rip it. You got me, Scott Tullhouse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have thought about IP that could work in that space because when thinking about Tomorrowland, I'm trying to imagine in what path would they take? So are we doing stuff that involves... Because I think at this point now, it has to go in science fiction so that you can stay away from the having to redo this thing over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. it's It's got to be that. Because a good movie or a good story, it never tarnishes. Yeah. But trying to predict our reality, that's just the impossible. And that's why it didn't work. And they should have learned their lesson with California Adventure 1.0 when they were trying to make it like mm-hmm. a, about our times yeah. and the story of California. I mean... Buena Vista Street is fine. It's a classic, timeless look. It's when Walt Disney came, but everything else is sort of make-believe. And mm-hmm. that works so much better than trying to make something like faux realism. Yeah. You should just go into an IP because, you know, great movies like Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. people love it. Yep. And there's no reason to do anything about it, even though I don't know how many young kids write it have actually seen the films. Yeah, that's a big one. They're just like, they know it more from the ride than actual from the movie itself. Because you have, I mean, once kids hit that like forty-six inch high requirement, that you know that's that's like five, six years old. There's there's probably zero chance that they have seen that film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's an and it, I don't know, I don't know how well that would hold up for a younger kid because it's a slower pace. Mm-hmm. It's not like Star Wars where unbelievably the pace is pretty modern mm-hmm. indiana jones is kind of like you know a little bit slower and you kind of yeah, gotta it takes get, its time get the subtleties of the jokes of the guy with the sword and you just shoot him, you know what i mean it's like <laughs> weird stuff but anyways go on with your tomorrow land um in thinking about which ips that we use the two that stand out for me the most that are of at least within the last 10 years because I, because I don't think they'd go any further than that to be relevant. That are still popular would be Big Hero Six, okay, and Wally. 
Those two are the strongest ones that deal the most in a science or science fiction based like reality where people are still involved. So you're not getting to like alien territory, but the the stuff that is dealt with within those stories would fit pretty well in a Tomorrowland. I don't think Big Hero Six has the cultural footprint to mm-hmm. get an attraction in America. Oh, that's fair. I just you don't see it as part of the culture mm-hmm. right like it just like i remember when they remember they did those baymax balloons yes and it looked like somebody <laughs> taking a white 30 gallon trash bag and just blew it up mm-hmm. like we were walking through there and i go beth that's genius they finally figured out how to sell people trash bags because mm-hmm. it just it, it didn't have a lot of shape to it but i did like the meet and greet character mm-hmm. the inflatable costume i don't think that that one has the cultural footprint that it needs to put hundreds of millions of dollars into yeah. it and commit to it for you know because i'm thinking when they build an attraction they're thinking can it at least go 30 years mm-hmm. to me i don't see where they would want anything less than that however i will give you a point that wally mm-hmm. because it's non-verbal and it's this sort of like real emotional story mm-hmm. that is a character that people do love yeah and and that is one that could could do some heavy lifting. I didn't even see that one coming. I, I, that one, I think, is possible if you mm-hmm. want to go that way. And the only reason I picked Big Hero 6, I do I do agree with you that its its footprint does not have a hold nearly like Star Wars or Frozen, is because the company seems to be doubling down on it by, as before, because it had its one movie, then they also gave it a cartoon, and then they have new shorts coming to Disney+. Plus. Okay. So that was my one take of, okay... They are choosing to move forward with this story, but it's what, a big, it's a big draw internationally, right? Yeah, it's a huge draw because yeah. uh, was it? Uh, we just were talking about uh, Shanghai in their area. They had the little spinner, which is I, I wish they didn't give that movie a spinner, but and somebody just put in a Baymax like, um, like a bumper car ride, right? Yeah, that's the one. That's uh, the sh- uh, it's uh, it's essentially uh, Tomaters. Oh, okay. Like Dosido, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. uh, it's Baymax instead, and they kind of like wrap around. And I wish that property is real a lot more elaborate than what it's been given kind of like how we've discussed with Inside Out getting the spinner when you're like oh that's that's what you're going to use that property it's such an amazing emotional film Mm -hmm. and it's uh, two and a half minutes and eight spins in a circle but if they continue to push for Big Hero 6 um, because I know people love the character of Baymax they may not feel there, there's definitely not a pull to the other characters, but him, Baymax himself, is is a draw. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget when they had him in the park. I don't know if you remember when he was doing meet and greets. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. the meet and greet, like mm-hmm. the inflatable suit. Mm-hmm. It was great. He had like an hour long line, and I was in line with my uh, friends to to meet him. And they had Baymax and the the kid character Hero, which was essentially an adult, but yeah. as a kid, I'm always so weirded out by that. Um, but they were waiting in a line to meet him. And they, the cast member came out and they were like, just everyone knows, um, you know, Baymax may have to go, you know, go away to, you know, recharge. So you're going to take pictures with Hero instead. You, if you had seen the crowd, they're like, <laughs> I did not wait in this line for an hour to meet an adult playing a kid. I'm here to hug the inflatable Baymax. That's the only reason I'm here. Dude, when Tinkerbell taps out and one of the other fairies goes into Pixie Hollow, you just see moms just be like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a universal ticket first thing tomorrow. Like, you just see. I'm heading straight to City Hall. Oh, my God. It, it's just like, my daughter, Tinkerbell, not the purple one. <laughs> we had the opposite. We were waiting for. We were waiting to Pixie Hollow, and mm-hmm. it was one of the, the you know, the, the jobbers. Mm-hmm. And then they did this swipe out, like, right before us, and we got Tinkerbell right off the bench. And my niece was just like, like she'd seen a star. Like, you want to get your photo taken with her? And she was like, 
Just speechless. Just could not yeah. even. <laughs> after the photo, she just stood, like, lurked over on the little gate where to you watch exit it. and just was like, that's, is that really her? Just like blown like away. The mind process, like, just reeling over. Blown away. All right, can I sell you on Big Hero 6 if it utilizes a. So if they. Would it work if they didn't spin as much like a brand new? What if it was using technology like a reskin, like a retheme? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, are you seeing? Are you seeing the Wally attraction as a dark ride or? Like, oh yeah, a hundred percent. So you mm-hmm. got a dark ride on your right, mm-hmm. which would overtake the Star Tours area, mm-hmm. and then over to your left, something that's sort of more outdoorsy mm-hmm. with like a canopy behind it, so we can't see what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, because I agree with you that I would not spend a ton of money on Baymax yeah. uh, or Big Hero 6 for that reason. Not like you would with Frozen. But um, I think with them giving him his space on Plus, because that was one of the things I was surprised about from that because the the movie already had a cartoon. Because I was yeah. like, they're, they're good. Like They're like, oh, no, we're going to give you more on that. Um, that's where I would sell. But those are the only two that I could really sink my teeth into. I would have hoped that to the Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney, <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be the savior that would reignite this thing for Tomorrowland. Well, I like George Clooney and the, <laughs> Z- the, Z- the Zephyr. <laughs> hey, I can say one really good thing about that Tomorrowland movie. Let me hear it. The end credits were great. Like the end animations mm-hmm. that like summarize the movie at the end. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> I really enjoy the first half of that movie. Like the first half, the setup is so good. I watch it going the entire time, going, <laughs> "What is happening? What are you doing to me?" Did you, did you love the '64 World's Fair part? Oh, I did, but even that didn't make sense. <laughs> like I was just basically like, "So I'm just here to see Tomorrowland in a movie mm-hmm. for like, or not Tomorrowland, Small World in a movie." For like 90 seconds. Yeah, pretty much. I remember when they were filming that at the park. I and was they had there. The, they, oh, yeah, of course you were. <laughs> and they had the, the green screens all up the front facade, mm-hmm. and they actually put the old wooden boats yep. back in. I was like, oh, my Lord. Yep, they had the old costumes. They Ooh. even had people loading in the, the old way, which a lot of people don't remember that Tomorrowland, you're, not Tomorrowland, uh, it's a small world. You, The exit was the entrance. Yeah. The entrance was the exit. And then when they put the shop in, they did the old reverse. Mm-hmm. And Jared's been cashing checks for himself. <laughs> Ever since. It's like, that that shop could never go away. He would literally, that's the one thing that that kid would like <laughs> chain himself to if the bulldozers were coming. You're not taking my shop. It's you like, know the royalties. He's like, Jared, we got to take this down. It's like, never. He would only let it happen if they were like, we're, we promise you, we're putting in a bakery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? We'll, we'll break bread with you. Okay, we're, we're gonna put it's in a, a cereal bakery, uh, all hot cereal all the time. <laughs> um, do you feel like a Tomorrowland needs like a, another type of like coaster, if not Space Mountain, but a redesign altogether? See, I, I think that the real problem is is this artery, mm-hmm. right? Like, what does it look like? Yeah. How are we tying it together, and how are we not letting this footprint get too big, and how are we Mm. keeping it in perfect sight lines? And that's why I find it to be really problematic, and the reason why I started all this out by saying where Space Mountain is actually located. Yeah. Because if that's what we're trying to navigate the way to, if you go from like where the people mover track is now Mm -hmm. all the way in, that's a long line. Yeah. And once you put an attraction on each side of that road, you've pretty much eaten up a lot of the space. 
And I think that a Wally attraction would be great. I think the Big Hero Six thing could be, have a potential if it was more like you know a little bit on the Mater's. You know, yeah, keep it simple. Keep nothing, it simple. Nothing e-ticket status. But now we've essentially what we've essentially built is we've kind of built Cars Land now, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like three attractions. Mm-hmm. One is in a, a, a thrill type ride. Yeah. Two are family oriented. I mean, better. I mean, Cars Land is phenomenal because of its visual cues. Yes. The attractions, I mean, Radiator Springs is the best, second best attraction at the park Mm -hmm. as far as technology and fun and all that stuff. I mean, there's other rides that have more nostalgia, but as far as like fundamentally like ride structure, it's rides and then and um, uh, racers. But Cars Land is this whole big look. Mm -hmm. How do you how do we get from the main thoroughfare? up to space mountain and keep that look going yeah you know i just i i just feel like if space mountain was in any other spot Mm -hmm. it works it it would make this so much easier so how about you do just off the harbor you buy a separate ticket (laughs) just to go and ride space (laughs) mountain and go back on harbor hey kids you can't afford to go to disneyland (laughs) for the day but you're in luck because for five dollars you can go to space space mountain how about you do an attraction on the left side an attraction on the right side and the very back if you remove Space Mountain, the theater, um, uh, Alien Pizza, the pizza uh, port. Oh, and, all that's got to go. Yeah. So take out, so they have the entire back. So Space Mountain, theater, pizza, launch bay, that all be a an e-ticket in the back right there. So you've got essentially three attractions. You're almost looking at it like two on your left and your right, and then the corridor and the very end, one that takes up largely almost all of that space back there. Let me renegotiate this with you. All right, let's hear it. What if the movie theater area that's under these Space Mountain, mm-hmm. what if that in some space annexed over towards Main Street, mm-hmm. like what if that's your dark ride living underneath there? Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. And then what if over to the left where the, the restaurant and the dining area is in there, we kind of gut all that out and that's where your big hero's at. Okay. So now it's just like all in this back area. Mm-hmm. And what if to get to the future, we have to walk through a tunnel there you go so when we go through this tunnel boom we're out space theming all around us big hero space mountain straight ahead over to our far right we can do wally but then when we look behind us on the tunnel like there's just you know futuristic stuff (laughs) all that stuff happening everywhere but then when you go back through the tunnel you're wherever you came from so therefore, it's just like a hard reset. So we don't have to do the gradient of how do we stitch Fantasyland into Big mm-hmm. Hero Six? How do we stitch uh, Main Street USA? And dare I say, if we basically just went from, you know, the the edge of if we just drew a line from Star Trader over to the edge of uh, Launch Bay, mm-hmm. everything on the back side of that line is now Tomorrowland. That tunnel that we're going through, what's a tunnel good for? Rides are on both sides of you, but you don't see them because we're going through there. Mm-hmm. That could be, that could be a, a good workaround. Yeah, because you're just literally going on the other side of this bubble, and you get there. I know you love a good transition, also. I do, and that's part <laughs> of the thing that I worry about: the amount of land that it takes, yeah. to properly tell the story, and then you just end up with these weird, like flanked out corners mm-hmm. where you're trying to stitch together. I mean, think about how much space is used to transition from. Uh, Grizzly Peak, yeah, 
Like San Francisco Street is just like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just literally <laughs> nothing. We don't do anything on San Francisco Street. And I know you've seen that transition in Galaxy's Edge of Walt Disney World from Toy Story Land to, uh, yeah, it's literally a record stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the space and now I'm in the toy box. <laughs> like, Instantly, I want to go there and film a video of me just jumping back and forth. I'm in space. I'm, I'm in a toy, toy box. I'm, I'm in space. space. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is one thing that makes the uh, Batu West, yeah, far superior. Far superior. Just the gradient of you know mm-hmm. how that you know always go in. If you're bringing somebody from out of town, always take them in through the the uh, uh, Hungry Bear entrance. Mm-hmm. That, I mean that's the way you got to go. The lampposts start changing. The music kicks over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. The animals. And, and then a little calm chatter. <laughs> and then you get up to the air with all the. Mm-hmm. Just Ronto steam everywhere. <laughs> and then these voices. <laughs> I love that land so much. And see, that's the thing. I just think. Will people care about Space Mountain? At twenty fifty five, yeah, that's the tough one. Because like, do young you you know the park better than anybody? Mm-hmm. Do young kids like six, eight, ten, twelve? Mm-hmm. Do they have a love for Space Mountain? They have a love for Space Mountain works, and I think Disney found its sweet spot because the coaster itself is not nearly as intense as something like Incredible Coaster or Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's just thrilling enough to where people it will always have it's like hour-long wait times because it both works for a new generation of kids growing up now um as their first ride and they're building their nostalgia for it and then it has such a literally a lock hold on our on the adults in our history of loving space right i think that's why it it's such a thing that will hold because you can go i I tell people all the time they've come on tours they're like where's all the crazy rides i'm like well we don't have that here like i could take you on these are like our coasters, but they exist like in this firm Disney family friendly type thing where it, it will always be thrilling, but it will you'll never feel like you're gonna like it's never gonna be six flags. Yeah, it's never gonna be that. And and you know, to it's a difference of opinion. Like mm-hmm. six flags doesn't have that emotional punch. Yeah. You know, for them it's like, why is that called Green Lantern? It's green. <laughs> yeah, but where's like the but, show the- and how do I how do I like get the ring? It's green. <laughs> Why is that one called Superman? It's red and blue. <laughs> okay, have you looked? I haven't even cited. Have you seen? Have you watched Six Flags Dark Ride? Their Justice League Dark Ride? No. Okay, they have one. They have a dark ride here in California. In California, Whoa. I need you to watch this because hey, we might need to go on a road trip. <laughs> so this is them. This was them for the first time dipping their foot into the family market because they've they've run their they they know their wheelhouse. We're, we're young adults. We're we're uh, teens, adults. This is our wheelhouse. Go hard, make mm-hmm. them sick. Thrills yep. up, you know. Just just go thrill, thrill, thrill. Just literally feel like you've just been beaten up at the end of the day. Yeah. But they 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 made a Justice League dark ride. That's a um, a shooter similar to like Buzz or Midway Mania has animatronics and everything. This is yeah. It's definitely not Disney's quality, but this is their first like. We're gonna see if we can get a family crowd here as opposed to. You know, because it's interesting watching. Did they use that new animation, like um, almost like the Batman Beyond style that they've been using for Justice League? Like, no. What it, do these characters look like? They are very cartoon based, so they they are not like really out overdone, but they have an actual. Um, 
it almost looks just like how they would in a cartoon. So, and not the um, like a comic book. So, okay. kind of beefy looking. Got it. Um, but it, it it's definitely good for them. I would say like them trying to t- kind of dip their toe into that because it's it's funny seeing Walt Disney World have to make coasters because they're competing with every other theme park in Orlando. Right. right. And as Universal and uh, all these other theme parks keep building bigger and bigger things, they know they can't just lean on the dark ride aspect. Like it's not, but a, they mm-hmm. can do things that nobody else can do. Yes, they can. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. uh, Mission Rewind, or what is oh, it? Cosmic, Cosmic mm-hmm. Rewind, uh, Mission Breakout, Cosmic Rewind, because they have that IP. Mm-hmm. So it all comes back to Bobby Ives, <laughs> knowing that yeah, they can build something bigger, faster, more brutal than what we'd ever do. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go on something that you think about and talk about for a long time, go on a. A ride that yep. takes you into a movie that most people agree that is phenomenal. Because mm-hmm. it's like no shocker that Walt Disney World is getting two coasters in, in within two years. And when was our last roller coaster? Yeah. <laughs> like, we just don't have to do that out here. But they are competing specifically with the uh, the theme parks over in Florida. And Florida is just a whole other vacation yeah. animal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're bringing your family out to California, you're like, well, we could do Universal and Disney. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it, depending on the age of your kids and where you're at, people are going to pick Disney because it's the original, it's mm-hmm. the nostalgia. Like there is something about Disneyland that everybody agrees, mm-hmm. like globally, that it's just it's special. Yeah, people are locked into that IP that they grew up with, which is why that's such a strong thing right now. And we know because that's how Universal is doing their best to compete with Disney. Like they're acquiring things they don't even own like half the stuff in their parks don't even own simpsons which is insane uh, I, it's insane because much- you eventually have to renew the lease I know. on that ip <laughs> and could you imagine going to the table like we don't think we need to pay you that much and you just like uh you have 15 acres of our ip what do you mean you don't have to pay us that much like i don't even know how you have a leg to stand on in that negotiation philander as we wrap up today mm-hmm. Any other hot takes for the future of Tomorrowland? Because you're obviously on Team Space Mountain, and I'm on the unpopular side of You sold me more to it without it. Wow. If I get a really good concept from WDI, I cannot, in good conscience, tell them we have to keep Space Mountain in this thing. Like, I, someone could legitimately sell me to not have it at all. But I would, I'm from the mind that I would love to see. Like, if they could sell me on it not being there, I'm, I'm down. Uh, but if what they presented was not like it's like oh I need there needs to be some other big draw because that's what Space Mountain was prior to that it needs to be some some thrill doesn't have to be a roller coaster some big thing that kind of like allows Space Mountain to kind of gradually move on yeah and to where it's not there so I, I definitely can be swayed like as much as I love that coaster not my favorite in that park that goes to Big Thunder Mountain Woo. the king of Disneyland as far as coasters goes it's so great <laughs> it really is so great. Um, but I could definitely be sold without it being there. There's the part of me that loves the nostalgia, but I will never, like you, ever stand in the way of progress, like yeah. legitimately good progress. Like, because I know if they ever did present, um, you know, uh, uh, JD with this new version of Tomorrowland, they're gonna have to really sell him on why we don't want Space Mountain there. He's anymore. gonna pull down his glasses and be like, <laughs> pause. The monsters after dark. Yeah, take his hair out. You got thirty seconds. You got pitch it to pitch me. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it. And the, the the people that manage the IPs, they will like because Space Mountain is grazed as it is. It doesn't really make the company any money, which is another thing when yeah, you think of other than selling people mm-hmm. the shape of the building. Yep. 
and I mean, they've made like a drink, a, cu- a cup that you can't drink out of, <laughs> right? That, like weird look. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like it's. It, I mean, the building is beautiful, and I would hate to see that go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. How does that trickle? Like, how does that go to Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. How does that go to the stores? How does that keep growing the legend? Yep. I think as all of a good, happy uh, coincidence, we have Avengers over in California Adventure. We have Star Wars uh, over in Disneyland. We're not going to have money to work on Tomorrowland for probably a decade plus. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to like sit back and just see where the IP goes. Yeah. And really just, you know, because until, because if we're going for a total, like literally put up a fence at the end of the hub, put up a fence on both sides of Matterhorn and you're just you don't see what's going over there because they're bulldozing it down to raw earth mm-hmm. and building something up it has to be to the quality of Galaxy's Edge yeah it has to be but what is a property that is not in existence mm-hmm. IRL that you're just dying to have it like they've kind of conquered their big ones yeah and if they didn't I mean if they would have put an Avenger side of Disneyland and the Star Wars side on the other side. Mm-hmm. I mean, just go ahead and put DCA on eBay because <laughs> you're never selling a ticket to it again. No, <laughs> because that would have just been insane. But it's I, too one sided. I can't really think of a property that goes over mm-hmm. there. So my mind has always gone to cut it up in a bunch of little slices and give more yep. Fantasyland and then expand Main Street because what we could use here because of our more sophisticated clientele some cool walk-up street-level restaurants, but mm-hmm. a second or third floor, Blue Bayou, mm-hmm. Carthay Circle. I mean, we don't have a lot of, like, nice premier dining in Disneyland, Yeah, but you know more than anybody, <laughs> we have the customers with the income that yeah. want that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to need... Um, it's going to need... Because even Tron, like, Tron itself, the actual film is not the thing it's the aesthetic that we've talked about it is so the aesthetic like they like we need to build a big thrill ride so and it needs to be based on something we're like well we can do Tron because Tron looks great we don't have to really tell that much of a story for it but the way it looks like the aesthetic it's beautiful so even if they have to find something like that that would because as sad as it is like original style attractions are just are going to be so far and in between at this point now because they can see where where people are spending their money. I mean, that's the cold hard facts that I that's kind of almost my hottest take for people is that as much as we love original attractions, they just don't put the money back into it like these IP based ones. I say my like fun little thing where I say, well, um, a, an Imagineer creates a really fun attraction and takes it to uh, the executives and says, "Here's my ride. It's probably going to be about a hundred million dollars to make it." Uh, like a thrill ride and they're like oh I don't know maybe if you could shave off the dollar amount of it or something so Imagineer goes back comes back six months later with the exact same ride but now it's a Black Panther ride and yep. Exeter's like oh wow this looks amazing because <laughs> yep. yep. now they're thinking of all the all the residuals that are going to come from this Black Panther ride now you have the built in fan base you have the merchandise and Black Panther also is a path that the company's on mm-hmm. inclusion in the parks mm-hmm. which is something that is very very important and so it would hit all of those mm-hmm. areas which is why my hot take is mm-hmm. nobody's using song of the south once we take splash mountain out. Mm-hmm. so we could put that over in the back of the- <laughs> 
<laughs> this time it'll work. <laughs> this time, this time, second Because we're gonna tell charm. people that it's bad. Second time's the charm. <laughs> we're gonna fully own up to it this way. What were they thinking, even using that in 1989? I don't. know. <laughs> you know what I think? I think. With the the minimal changes they made to it, that's where they believed that it had separated itself enough. Because the part that I know people get the most, uh, more than the, the, have you seen you've seen Song of the South? Oh yeah, yeah. You know the the, the Tar Baby sequence and yeah. how it. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. Yeah. So they changed that sequence so that's Brer Rabbit and when he's stuck in the honey, as opposed to how it was in the film. And I feel like they think they made enough changes in that retrospect, so that oh now it's it's it's. It's okay. I don't you know? care what anybody says, though. It's the voices. Yeah. It's the that voice. If you're if you know where that's coming from, mm-hmm. you're floating around in a log around a minstrel show. Yeah. And that voice is. It's the the characters are fine, mm-hmm. but it's that backwards talk. Yeah, that and like that, southern and yeah. that voice that it, that is the offensive part. And people are like, well, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, well. Yeah, I know. Because that, yeah. that's not part of your history. It's the the crows in Dumbo. It's the uh... crows are always been depicted. As racist. <laughs> <laughs> and when they come into Fantasyland every night, I'm like, you get out of here. You get, you out, get out, out every here. night. But I, I know it's the, it's the crows in Dumbo. It's the uh, 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 the monkeys in the Jungle Book. Like yeah. there, it's it's just the thing that at the time it it worked really well and. Now, I mean, even the, I mean, people talk about Song of Sal- uh, Splash Mountain, Jungle Cruise <laughs> is a whole nother, is a whole nother ball. Yeah. There's a couple of scenes that it wouldn't hurt anything if they were oh, taken no, out. And I, even, hopefully no. I can't wait to see The Rock at the end of my cruise. <laughs> it's like, oh, the native scene is completely gone now. And now Dwayne Johnson's at the end of the attraction. <laughs> Just doing the people's eyebrow. Yes. But they wouldn't even do an animatronic. It'd be a light screen. So the eyebrow could perfectly go up. Just well, project it. Philander, I could talk about Tomorrowland forever, and I think luckily we will have forever to talk yes. about it because mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's way off. I'm going to go for a hot take. Are you ready I'm for ready. this? I'm ready. Let me hear it. Tomorrowland will be the big project that they wrap up for the 100th anniversary. I like that because I, that is a massive selling point that we're going to f- tackle this thing now finally. And oh, I can already. I'm already imagining the marketing campaign in my head right now. 2055. I'll see you there. <laughs> It'll be when the park reopens too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that, freaking. <laughs> There you go, citizens of Disneyland, a full episode all about Tomorrowland, where it started at, where it went, what it's meant to the park, where could it go into the future, and a new sort of template for Disneyland for designers. Hey, if you made it this far, that means that you probably are either too lazy to hit stop or you had a really good time. And I would sincerely appreciate it if you could share this episode somewhere over on social media or maybe even leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't left a review for Disneyland for Designers yet, that would really, really help me grow this project and get more people discovering all the fun that we're having over here. And speaking of fun that we're having together, don't forget tonight at 7 p.m., the time machine should take off 
and take us back to 50s and 60s Tomorrowland. And this Friday, the 13th hour at 1 p.m. Disneyland time over on YouTube. Come over with me. Hang out. Let's talk about all the Disney news that popped up this week. Already a couple of good topics to get into. How Disneyland is becoming a vaccination spot in Orange County. A super vaccination spot. Very exciting news there. And also look at this little detail that Joe Rohde dropped out this week where Guardians of the Galaxy was one of three different Marvel themes that may have took over the Hollywood Tower of Terror. I want to break down with you how those other two themes could have worked. And who knows? It's only Wednesday. There's so much more time for so much more Disneyland news. We'll cover it all then. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for showing up. And thank you for being a citizen of Disneyland. Friends, until the next time I see you in Tomorrowland, I'll see you back here on the podcast. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for going to Tomorrowland.